Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Rediscover our fascinating city this summer on a walking tour from the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Our entertaining and expertly trained docents will guide you through the Chicago you've been longing to explore. From magnificent downtown architecture to awe-inspiring neighborhood gems. If it's worth seeing, we'll take you there. Get tickets at architecture.org forward slash tours. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. Hey, college students, are you looking for a way to get ahead this summer? Northwestern University is offering hundreds of undergrad courses online this summer. Choose an intensive sequence in learning. Registration is open now. Visit northwestern.edu slash summer for details. Happy Lollapalooza weekend, everybody, huh? I'm pumped. More on that and other real political stories and moments. But before we go any further, we got to thank the following unions for sponsoring the Ben Jarofsky Show. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150 are sponsors, as well as our dear friends. Shout out to Bob Ryder at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Let me tell you about voting by mail. Voting by mail ensures equitable access for everyone. Normally, vote-by-mail applications are filled out online or in person. This creates a burden for people with limited access to transportation or internet services. Disproportionately, the elderly or people of color who are among those at greatest risk from COVID-19. Because of the pandemic, a law was passed in Illinois for November requiring vote-by-mail applications be sent to anyone who voted in 2018, 2019, or the 2020 primary. This falls short of what is needed particularly since these elections saw low turnout. We need to expand access. Mail-in voting is the best way to ensure everyone's voice can be heard safely. We can help expand voting access in Chicagoland by asking officials to send every eligible voter a vote-by-mail application. So visit VoteMailChicago.com. That's VoteMailChicago.com for call scripts and a petition. One more time. Vote. V-O-T-E. Mail. M-A-I-L. Chicago. C-H-I-C-A-G-O. Dot com to make sure that every voter in Cook County has safe and equitable polling. That's correct. Uh, we had a song request for Song of the Day yesterday, Ben. So uh, it was from our dear friend Frank. Yes, that Frank. And the, okay. least, the least we can do is, uh, you know, give him a song request. You know what I mean? All right. Hold on. <clears throat> Let me get the vocal cords prepared. Hold yeah, on. Get that going. Get that going, mm. please. All right. He loves. Oh, my 
God, is this water good? He loves Dang, that. Good. He loves that water, guys. <laughs> Starting to wonder about his relationship with water. All right, uh, Frank's request. Good golly, Miss Molly. Oh, good golly, Miss Molly. That's little Richard. And by the way, as uh, Frank can tell you, Jimi Hendrix uh, once played guitar for uh, Little Richard. Did you know that, date? No, I did not. Uh, I'm not actually sure about it myself, so I just threw that out there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think he did. So, hey, Frank, oh, that could be something you look up. <laughs> just making crap up. All right. Our host, guys. Love Little Richard. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. Thursday, July 30th, and live from my apartment in Ben's attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. <laughs> Today on the program, it's the return of election lawyer and foul mouth, if I must be honest, Adolfo Mondragon. And now your host, Little Ben, <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Trump's Coup Thursday, and here's why. Well, he did it, D. Yes, yes, yes. He finally did it. This morning, while most of us were sleeping, well, I was probably the only one still sleeping. Wasn't it today he woke me up at 10.15 or something? I go, God, you're up early I today, called you dude. at 10.15, and you called me back maybe like, 20, 30 minutes later. Oh, D, I see you're up early. Dude, I, I called you at 10 in the morning. Yeah, well, I got up early today, too, because the, the people, you're going to hear about this uh, all day, all show. Uh, the the I, I, Once again, I do the show from the attic since the pandemic, and the house next to me, they're repairing the roof. So there's these workers, right? Can you hear them, D? They've already knocked down the wire once. They put the wire back up. Lord knows I could knock it down again. So in the middle of the show, it could be... So it's not Martians invading America. It's just the next door neighbors. And anyway, they were- if that does happen, live stream listeners, don't worry. You can download today's program. I'm recording it at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. That's correct. Well done. Well, well done. Anyway, uh, I was up up and at him early, and that's how I found out that Donald John Trump, the president of the United States, uh, sent out a tweet in which he basically said, hey, I'm not ready to step down even though I lose. Uh, yes, indeed. I'm sure you all heard about it. I'm sure you're all talking about it. Donnie Trump uh, sent out the following tweet with universal mail-in voting, not absentee voting, which is good. <laughs> Trump. What a clown. 2020 will be the most, and then he has a big, bold uh, print, all caps, inaccurate and fraudulent election in history, Mr. Trump wrote. It will be a great embarrassment to the USA. Delay the election until people can properly, securely, and safely vote. And it's a question with three question marks, just to make sure it's a question. So he's not really saying we should delay the election. He's just asking, should we delay the election? (laughs) 
Donald Trump, man. That's our president of the United States. Let me just point out, folks, he's trailing in virtually every single poll. I've not seen a poll, a nationwide poll, uh, that shows Trump anywhere near the lead. In fact, I think we would all agree, Republicans as well, that if it was a straight-up fair election, uh, if it was a contest played out like a football game, a baseball game, a basketball game, any kind of contest, which is what we the rules are, if one team scores more than another, they win. If it was that kind of contest, he would get clobbered. He lost the last one in 2016. He would probably lose this one by even more. But as everybody has learned in the United States of America, we have this cockamamie system called the Electoral College, so you can win even if you lose. It's happened twice in this century with the Republicans, and the Democrats are so clueless, they've never done anything to change it. Uh, I, I don't know what annoys me more, the cluelessness and the cowardice of my beloved Democratic Party or the way in which Republicans steal have stole two elections uh, in this century. Anyway, he's he's losing. The polls are showing he's losing even in the uh, important swing states like Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Florida. And so even with this crazy system where you win by losing, he'll still lose. So what does he do? He throws out this notion that somehow or other uh, there's something fraudulent about by mail voting. Look, guys. There's nothing for you know what even Republicans when no one else is around when they're having one of their only us in the back rooms they're like oh God let's see if these schmucks believe this stuff I mean even they know it's be in fact the only people that I know of that have uh, and Frank you could back me up on this the only people who've been convicted of vote fraud in the last year or so uh, are Republicans. So if there is going to be cheating, it'll probably be Republicans. Let's face it, folks. You know as well as I do that when it comes to cheating, Republicans are way ahead of the Democrats. Democrats are like, whoa, I hadn't thought of that. No collusion. Republicans will do anything to win an election, and and Democrats will do anything to be nice. Let's be nice. Can we be nice? Okay. Anyway, Donald Trump is just putting it out there already, already ginning things up, you know, already, already coming up with an excuse when he gets whooped. So now the excuse is somehow there's this great fraudulent scheme. Uh, voter by mail is 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 uh, not to be trusted. He won even though he lost. So uh, the, he's setting things up for an explanation of why he's going to lose. We, uh, everybody who came on this show is predicted. David Seaton, by the way. He's been predicting this for a long time. So right now he's going around saying, I told you so, Ben. We're going to bring David Seaton back and talk to him about this. But yes, uh, it uh, this is this is Donald Trump's strategy. Now, the interesting thing, a couple things that he's going to do here. Number one, uh, he's pretty sneaky. He's got like this uh, by putting it as a question. He can sort of divorce himself from I'm like, well, no, I, I didn't I didn't say cancel the election. I was just posing it, merely posing it as a question. You know, uh, and uh, it's but when he poses stuff as a question, what he does is like feed these talking points to MAGA hat America, which just gobbles them up like it's their M&Ms and starts repeating them. And that's sort of how folks, if you think about it, why we're in the middle of a coronavirus and like two thirds of Americans believe that uh, masks are important and help uh, block the spread of the disease. And one third thinks it's like some kind of infringement on their liberties to have to wear a mask. That's why, like as Dennis pointed out, half the state of Illinois, at least geographically, has got signs that say Pritzker sucks because they're so mad at Pritzker for trying to make them wear a mask. So that's where we are in America right now. And Donald Trump kind of just feeds that. 
You know, every now and then it sends out a little tweak, gets them all fired up. Uh, it feeds their sense that they're victims, that they're being picked on. And uh, somehow or other that even though they lost the last election and got to win, they're the victims in the game. So that's what he's doing. He's he's uh, just sort of throwing that suggestion out there. Very clever, Donald Trump. I didn't say he wasn't clever. The good news so far is that Republicans are not falling in line. Uh, I noted in the first articles I saw, Marco Rubio, even Ted Cruz. Like, well, I don't know about this uh, fraudulent thing. You know, they, no, no, remember, it, the Ted Cruz impression, you hold your nose and you. Oh, I don't know about. Hold on. Let me get the exact quote and I'll do it. Hold on. I got to call it up. Dude. Stall for time, D. Talk about. Uh, Absolutely. The hey, whoever's hammering, stop it. <laughs> Can you hear it? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Don't they know we're trying to record, uh, you know, a masterpiece here? <laughs> Hold on. I haven't done this in a while. Hold on one second. Oh, he's about to go out the window. Hey! Knock it off! <laughs> How about that, D? Haven't done that one in a while. All right, while. close it. The brown light's coming by. Yeah, I know. I had to close it. Wait, where is it? Man, All the hoops and Hold obstacles on. we have to go through on this oh. program since the pandemic. Wait, I thought I had a Joe by uh, a Teddy Crew. Oh, here's your boy Rick Santorum said, oh, I'm, a, I'm at a golf course. Hey, that's what is. How'd you know that? Go, I've been keeping oh, that to this myself. Is, this is, oh my God, what a coward! I'm at a golf course. I'm too busy. Anyway, Ted Cruz said something like, oh, "It's a little too early to say that we should do that." Uh, it sounded <laughs> just like it. But, yeah. Hi, I'm Ted Cruz. Oh my God, Adolfo's got a lot to talk about. Ted Cruz. Anyway, so uh, so the good news right now for the moment is that many of the Republican uh, leaders in the Senate, uh, at the very least, are holding back at joining uh, Trump in this uh, crusade. But the bad news, if we're depending on Republicans to defend our democracy from Donald John Trump, well, to quote Joe Higgins, we're in a heap of trouble. We got a great show today, everybody. Adolfo Mindragon will be here, the election lawyer from the Southwest side. And D, what's the over and under on uh, Adolfo dropping an F bomb? What do you think? Oh, I say first 30 seconds. He's MF and somebody. <laughs> He's fired up, man. I talked to him earlier today for about. For about a half an hour, it's supposed to be just like a yeah, Dolfo coming on. Uh, we're talking about Trump, and then we ended up talking for a half an hour. He's all fired up talking Trump uh, and what Trump's up to. You know, he's a big Bernie supporter. Let's see if he's warming up to Joey Biden. I know he's going to vote for Biden. But let's see if he's warming up. Dolfo's a huge uh, Bernie Sanders supporter, and also he's going to be talking about the Goya boycott. He's got a lot of thoughts on that, uh, and Madigan, and a lot of local news. Uh, Adolfo Mondragon is going to weigh in on Michael Joseph Madigan, Ray Lowe. Mayor Lightfoot, all good stuff. He's he's ready to talk about absolutely anything. But I'm really curious about the Goya boycott, his thoughts on that. So anyway, Adolfo Mondragon will be uh, joining us in a little while. But before we do that, the young man from home, the man that Adolfo finally call, fondly calls Dr. Doobie with the news. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> all right, everybody. Yes, today's show featuring Bob Vila, apparently, working on a house. <laughs> In the background. Shout out to Dragon Slayer 19 on the live stream chat. He says, SMH, been attacking union workers on the job. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. I don't know if they are union workers. Let me look. They're not working on my house. Although, it, something happened. I called D in a panic earlier today. D, can we break the fourth wall again? I mean, sure. Are we, we going to break the fourth wall again? Yeah, I think so. 
So uh, I, I was taking a shower, scrub it up, dub, three men in a tub, and I walked. Well, you're taking a shower with two other people? <laughs> yeah, you know, we're saving water. And uh, so I, I walk out, and what do I see? Uh, some stranger on a ladder with uh, I'm working on my house. I'm like, what the beep? So it turns out that the workers next door, okay, that would be next door. I didn't hire them. We're throwing shingles off the roof and they knocked some wire down. I was very concerned that it was the wire that hooks us up to the internet, but no, no, I called Dennis up. Dennis, can you hear me? We did a test before the show and it all, that was rare by the way, anything uh, before the show, a test, anything like that. That was very rare. We did that. I I know I called Dennis. He was really mad at me. He goes, dude, man, I told you never interrupt me when I'm smoking a doobie. Okay. He couldn't have been nicer. <laughs> couldn't have been nicer when I called it a panic. Dennis, Dennis, oh my God. Well, you know, I'm always so cool and calm. Oh my God, D, what are we going to do? For the love of God, sometimes, please, can we come back to your studio? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, anyway, so a little knocking. Hold on. That's the guy knocking. Go ahead, D. <laughs> All right, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. First up, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Today, the governor is in Peoria, Illinois. He visited the Peoria County Health Department at 11 a.m. to talk about Peoria's COVID-19 response. Then he jumped in the Pritzker mobile to Ottawa, Illinois for a 2 p.m. talk. Uh, Well, I guess that's going to be happening shortly. Hasn't happened yet. About LaSalle County's COVID-19 response. Not much Pritzker news today, guys, but we do have an update on Madigan Gate. Yes, the time that Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan was implicated by federal authorities in a years-long bribery scheme that involved utility giant Commonwealth Edison allegedly, allegedly steering contracts, jobs, and payments to Madigan allies. And we have more quotes from elected officials calling for the Speaker to resign. But first, let's do a quick recap here. Six hours after the news broke of Madigan and the ComEd Madigan Gate, State Senator Melinda Bush of Grays Lake called for Madigan's resignation. Bush said, quote, I would encourage the speaker to take his own advice and resign not only his speakership and his legislative seat, but step down as chairman of the Democratic Party of Illinois effective immediately. Now, a couple of days back, we learned that State Senator Heather Staines called on Michael Madigan to resign his speaker post immediately. Staines, unlike most of her Democratic colleagues, held back no punches, saying, quote, some will argue that the speaker is innocent until charges are filed and he's proven guilty. By the way, those are Democratic colleagues who are arguing that. (laughs) Punches very much held back. Come on, Gazzardi. (laughs) Well, (laughs) He's a state rep. Okay, just to point out one more time, these are all state senators. See, there's two bodies in the legislative branch. Just a little lesson here. There's two bodies. There's the Senate and there's a House. So Melinda Bush is a senator. The leader of the Senate is not Michael Joseph Madigan. So she can say whatever she wants. But if you're in the house, he's the big boss. And that's where Will Gazzardi is. And it's more like, come on, Gazzardi, step it up. All right. Uh, Stain stated that those are not the standards that should apply to Madigan's leadership role. Uh, She said, quote, serving as speaker is not a right. It's a privilege. It's clearly 
time for a change. Well, we have more names to add to the list of bold Democrats. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and one Mitchell Armentrout. Glenn Allen State Rep Tara Costa Howard said in a statement that she hopes Madigan will, quote, do the honorable thing and step down from his position as chair of the Illinois Democratic Party as well. Costa Howard went on to say that, quote, even he even if he was not directly involved in the scheme, these accusations clearly demonstrate that the speaker's leadership has failed. Speaker Madigan has a duty to recognize that these allegations have cast a deep shadow on the reputation of our house. He must take action now to avoid inflicting further damage on the members of the House and the Democratic Party. Howard said the revelations from prosecutors, quote, make it impossible for Rep. Madigan to continue in his leadership roles. Armand Trout went to the Madigan team for a response and, uh, well, (laughs) they declined to comment. Color me surprised. Ben, your thoughts? Well, okay. Now people are going, but Ben, you just got finished saying it's only state senators. This is the state rep. What do you say about that? Well, very good question. You notice how I like, like expect, anticipate the questions, D, they're going to come, right? You notice that? So uh, in this case, uh, Tara Costa Howard is from uh, the suburbs, the DuPage County area. And let's face it, folks, Michael Joseph Madigan is not popular out there. So, yes, I give her credit for being a state rep who's willing to say that Michael Joseph Madigan should set, step down. But you have to understand, she's probably, she's in trouble. Madigan, okay, I've made this point before, I'll make it again. The reason why anybody in the state of Illinois knows who Michael Joseph Madigan is, anybody other than political geeks like me and Frank and other people who listen to this show, is because Bruce Rauner spent millions and millions of dollars making Michael Madigan public enemy number one in the state of Illinois, and the Chicago Tribune joined that crusade. That's how you know about him. Most people in the state of Illinois, I hate to say it, D, don't know who their state reps are. When Dennis was downstate in Alton, some of his friends, I remember one of his friends predicted this is the end of Madigan. And when Dennis told me that story, I'm going, dude, the only reason that guy knows who Michael Joseph Madigan is, is that Rodder aired all those commercials bashing him. Yay so what's for the our impact? teachers. Yay for our teachers. <laughs> yes, that Bruce Rodder. So what's the impact? The impact is that in DuPage County and other, what do they call it, D? Like purple areas, areas that are shifting from red to blue. And so you have, the Democrats have to be really cautious about the positions they take. I understand and appreciate uh, that they have to be cautious. I'm just being realistic here. They have to be cautious. They're the ones who are going to distance themselves from Madigan because he's so very unpopular in that state. And that's where I'll have conversations like, well, they go, well, Ben, you must admit that the way Madigan acts is really inappropriate. And my point is always this. Because, yes, it's inappropriate. But where are the Republicans? The Republicans are taking advantage of Michael Madigan's power. It's all those Republican landlords downtown who hired Michael Madigan to be the property tax lawyer. They could have got a property tax hike. I've made this point many times. It's a basic formula to apply to the county uh, assessor to get a property tax hike. I think Dennis and me and any millennial who could handle a computer could do just as good a job filling out those forms as Michael Joseph Madigan. I really do believe that, D. But when they hire Madigan, 
It's not to get the property tax break. It's to curry favor with Madigan. Similarly, Commonwealth Edison. They could have gotten that rate hike through without putting Madigan's cronies on the payroll. But, you know, curry favor with Madigan. You never know when it's going to come in handy or, you know, they got so much money to throw it around anyway. Obviously, they don't need the uh, that big rate hike if they have enough money to put all these cronies on the payroll. So it is a bipartisan state of corruption when it comes to Michael Madigan and Ed Burke and the powerhouses in the Democratic machine, but feeding at the trough for all these times. But you never hear, never hear Republicans talk about that. And that's why state reps in DuPage County, Democrats feel compelled to distance themselves from Michael Joseph Madigan. I believe you should step down, D. But you know what? This is how I am. That I could just see yeah, it You're just some dude in an attic. I mean, what's that really mean, you know? Hold on, just to, just to this point. Could you put the hammer down? <laughs> God damn it, this guy with the hammer. He's a hardworking guy. If I had a hammer, yeah. I'd hammer in the morning. I know that, sir. Wow, yeah, yeah. When you join this guy, you can't say it. Um, but I got this feeling. I'm going to make a prediction about me. This is how weird I am. I openly admit this. I am such a contrarian. So right now, though, there's two state reps, D, right? Two state reps who said Madigan should step down. By the time it reaches like 60 or 70, I will have flip-flopped. And I'll be like, don't leave Madigan. These freaking hypocrites. It's kind of how I felt with Blagojevich. Like, we don't want to go there. But you're predicting that eventually there will be 60 to 70 state reps. Oh, my Yes, absolutely. Okay. That's he's a prediction for Ben Jarofsky. Yes, he's going to have to step down, in my humble opinion. Thanks. It's my opinion. Uh, he's going to have to step down eventually. But uh, right now, it's two. It's two. When it gets to 60, I'll be his supporter. Don't leave, Michael. Number two. All right. Shout out to Jeff on the live stream chat for the yes. reminder. Jeff says there was also that Madigan documentary shown in theaters, uh, probably paid for by a rounder GOP group. Ben, what, what were your thoughts on that uh, documentary? I, you went to theaters and saw it, right? <laughs> I missed that documentary. Oh. I, could, I believe you could take the word probably out of that sentence, Jeff. Uh, yeah, it was pure propaganda. And that is, thank you, Jeff, for reminding me of that. Again, one more time, folks. The attitudes that you have are so often created, at least in local politics, state politics, by the propaganda campaigns of big business and Republicans. Just saying, folks. All right. Now, I, again, I know listeners on the live stream, they're like the smartest uh, people about politics. But in general, D, most people couldn't tell you who their state rep was. And most people couldn't tell you who the House Speaker is. And right now, most people in the state of Illinois cannot tell you who the president of the Senate is. Why? Because the Republicans haven't spent millions and millions of dollars vilifying that person. So Democrats are like, oh, God, he's got to step down. You've been brainwashed, Democrats. Sorry, man. Just had to say that. So all good. Now, as I was preparing for today's program, Capital Facts' Rich Miller dropped this one on his website. According Ooh. to a press release, Democratic State Senator Iris Martinez has now called for Mike Madigan to resign. And it's none of this if the allegations are true BS either, all right? She told it like it is. Martinez said, quote, I applaud the women who are calling for new leadership for the Democratic Party of Illinois. I agree with the powerful statements issued by state senators Heather Staines and Melinda Bush. The time for change is now. Defeating Donald Trump is a priority matter for all 
Democrats, every day that Madigan remains chairman of DPI is another day we are focused on Madigan's controversies instead of our critical electoral contests. I'm asking my fellow DPI members to come together, call for Madigan's resignation, and hold a special meeting to elect a new leader. Our party and our state deserve better. Well, I'll tell you this. Let's not completely rewrite history. Michael Madigan uh, is pretty smart and pretty savvy at putting together uh, a, a team of Democrats that just hold office. Now, whether they do progressive things is a whole other issue. But he's elected Democrats or helped elect Democrats in some reddish, purplish areas. And he's held on to that caucus for all these years. So he's pretty good at playing the election game. That's part of the reason why Rauner and the Republicans hate him so much. So Yay for our teachers. Yay for our teachers. You have to recognize that. That said, I'm with her. I mean, the controversies just keep piling up. Listen. I always appreciate what Michael Madigan did to fight Rauner. He was the one guy who took the stand. And I say this, I'll say this every day that this is happening. I do not believe Rahm Emanuel or John Cullerton, who used to be the Senate president, used to be. So there's a different Senate president out there, uh, listeners. Uh, I don't believe for one minute that they would have held the line uh, on Rauner with his attempts to uh, destroy collective bargaining rights in the state of Illinois. So I will always credit Madigan for it. And when everybody turns against him, I'll be like the la- I'll be like those crazy Republicans who stu- stood by Nixon. I can't remember the guy's name. Maybe Frank can help me. There was like a uh, a Republican who stayed by Nixon to the very end. Anyway, uh, that um, uh, that being said, I do believe he should step down. I do believe the Democratic Party uh, should have a different head uh, as it confronts Donald Trump. And uh, so, yes, Iris Martinez is correct in my humble opinion. It's just accumulating these corruption cases, these embarrassments, this this heavy-handed reign over the Democratic Party. I think it's time. I think it's time. But wait, there's more. Rich Miller dropped another press release from someone also very important in Illinois politics. Uh, He was once in the if the allegations are true department, but now he's on team. Get the hell out of office. But he's a Republican, so take it for what it's worth, I guess. Oh, that doesn't count. Illinois (laughs) Illinois House Republican leader Jim Durkin released the following statement regarding the call for Speaker Madigan's immediate resignation and will be filling a House resolution to call for another vote on Speaker for the Illinois House of Representatives. Here's the quote here from the press release. Quote, the federal charges outlined in the ComEd prosecution highlight a scheme solely for the benefit of Speaker Madigan. These facts are a disgrace of the highest level to the citizens of Illinois and to the institution of which we serve, the Illinois House of Representatives. I call for the immediate resignation of Speaker Madigan from the Illinois House of Representatives and will be filing a resolution to have the House chamber vote on a new speaker immediately. Well, that's a pretty slick move by uh, Jim Durkin. By the way, Dee, can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. 
All right. For some reason, you uh, I couldn't hear the last line you said. I was a little concerned, but it's good to know that everything's working. Uh, you know that that guy with the drill and the hammer and the saw. It's not destroyed. Oh, the last thing. line was uh, from Durkin, Republican. Uh, Trump's awesome. Maga, maga, maga. <laughs> Madigan sucks. <laughs> That basically sums it all up. But that's a slick move. I got to give Durkin credit for making a slick move. You force that vote. If you get that vote, if they can um, get it called up, that's, of course, problematic. I I don't think they'll get that vote, uh, uh, that resolution called for a vote. But if he can, that forces the Will Gazzardis of the world. you mentioned him, D, so just picking up on what you mentioned. Uh, Will Gazzardi is a state rep from the Logan Square area. Isn't that correct, D? The Logan Square. Every now and then I can't help myself. I just start sounding like the butter cow guy. Will Gazzardi is from Logan Square. Anyway, uh, so he is a quote-unquote progressive. A Madigan, you know, he, Madigan's like, progressives, there's room for you. Come on in. Come on in, progressives. We'll even let you call yourself progressives. You know, we're probably not going to pass any of the legislation the progressives want, but you get to call yourself progressives. And the progressives are like, thank you, Mike. (laughs) No, thank you, Mr. Madigan. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right. It's made entirely out of butter. And, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. All right. (laughs) Frank on the live stream chat says it's easy for Iris Martinez to say that because she's no longer going to be in the legislature because she's going to be the clerk of the court. Yes. Good point, Frank. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And she is going to be the clerk of the court, presuming she wins uh, in November. And I don't even know if she has a Republican opposition. So uh, anyway, but even uh, even before she uh, leaves, she's still a state senator. So it's even uh, easy there. She, by the way, got her start with uh, Richard Mel. So it's not exactly like, you know, she's an independent. But uh, anyway, uh, going back to Dirk and slick move, if you that puts Democrats in that bind, you know, Dan, you've heard it. You know what it's like when a politician is really in a bind and they don't quite know which way to go, because any way they go, they get in trouble. So. Yes, you're dedicated yourself to the principles of clean, uh, corruption-free government. Uh, And yes, Michael Madigan looks really bad right now with Commonwealth Edison uh, essentially saying they attempted to bribe him uh, and uh, paying a fine of $200. So yeah, does not look good. But on the other hand, he's still the boss. So you don't really want to get the boss. That's tough, man. We've all been there. And by the way, people, don't act like you're so pure. This is the other thing. Oh, God. The nerve. No principles. I want to know when anybody spoke out against their boss. Right, D? You know, well, you know, most people, when they see their boss go, what a nice tie you have. That's a wonderful tie. Did I tell you that shirt looks really good on you? So don't act like you're fearless, people. That's the other thing. You know, everybody, oh, yeah, they should stand up to Madigan. Oh, when did you stand up to your boss? Well, it's different. Oh, uh, I need my <laughs> paycheck. And hey, maybe there's oh. someone out there listening. Hey, you know, I call my boss a douchebag every day. What, what's a big deal? Yeah. Do what? Will Gazzardi doesn't need his paycheck? Huh? He doesn't have bills to pay? Huh? He has some phone bill to pay? Huh? 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 Will Gazzardi doesn't? So, you know. It's like, not that, people act like it's so easy. Why do you think Kelly Cassidy is pretty much the only state rep who took a stand, a strong stand against Madigan uh, after Elena Hampton? Because he's the most powerful guy 
in the state house. You upset Madigan, he puts you in the parking lot. So don't act like it's so easy, people. That's all I'm saying. You mm-hmm. know, you're don't right. act like it's so easy. You're right. People act like it's too easy. Come on, Gazzardi, do it. <laughs> Tell, I, resign, and, bro. And and Durkin, I'm gonna give Durkin credit. He's the one, the one Republican in the state, I think, who stood up to the protesters with the with the swastikas. And I will always give him credit for that. All the rest, remember Big DB, Darren Bailey, the face of the Republican. Oh, how can I forget him? <laughs> he was like, I don't believe it. That's my Darren Bailey imitation. I don't believe it. Yeah, it needs a little work. Yeah, it needs a lot of work. I really don't know what Darren Bailey sounds like. <laughs> Me either. You know, I just see the big fella when he walking. By the way, I give Madigan credit for kicking Darren Bailey out of the uh, the meeting last. Oh, was it two months ago? Remember for not wearing a mask? Yeah. Madigan credit for some things. Uh, but anyway, so I'll give Durkin credit for denouncing the protesters uh, waving uh, the swastika. One of, I think he's one of the few Republicans in the state. You would think it would be easy to take a stand against uh, people waving swastikas. Uh, but, you know, Donald Trump has said that they're nice people, too. So a lot of Republicans so afraid of Donald Trump uh, won't take a stand against a guy with a swastika. And yet they're the first to speak up about Democrats not taking a stand against Michael Madigan. I'll tell you what, Republicans, I believe you guys have guts when you take a stand against Donald Trump. How about writing a press release calling for a vote on uh, protesters, denouncing protesters who wave swastikas? How about that, Republicans? Yeah, it's not going to happen soon because Donald Trump has said, well, they're good people, too. So, you know, Republicans are really quick to uh, question the courage of Democrats who don't stand up to Madigan while they're all hiding under the desk for fear of Donald John Trump and one of his tweets. That's what I think, D. All right. On to the uh, news in the city of Chicago. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. In doing so, it follows that a true democracy must Mm. also be, by definition, a full democracy. Mm. And that denying those rights to any part of our society not only denies the fullness of democracy, but rejects our shared humanity and makes us the lesser for it. But democracy's argument demands something from us as well. And that, my friends, is engagement. Engagement with our public institutions. Engagement with our elected officials, with the public dialogue, with the facts, with reality. And above all else, engagement with each other. Passionate, robust engagement with each other, but respectful engagement. I'm saying all of this because we are meeting at a moment when our democracy is under siege from multiple directions. To those who think I'm referring to President Trump and his brazen corruption and attack on our institutions, I'll save you this suspense. I am. Today, Mayor Lightfoot is at City Hall. She is actually there as we speak, Ben. She's there to help launch the city's Your Home is Someone's Workplace campaign to support Mm. domestic workers. Uh, now, Ben, uh, anything you'd like to say there about that clip we just played? I, I know before the show, boy, you just wouldn't stop talking about it. Yeah. Well, I read the uh, the article in today's Sun-Times. France Spielman wrote the article. It was home delivered, as always, my uh, beloved uh, newspaper. And um, I read the article. And we played the clip yesterday. We were emphasizing the uh, uh, shot she took at Donald Trump. 
And there was also a part of the article where she said, uh, "Let me get the let me get the paper off the hold on." Let me get the paper. Please okay. do. We need we need more background noises here. Get that oh, paper okay. out and shake it around. Got a guy hammering, Vince air conditioner, all kinds of stuff. The brown line, bring it. Uh, as she often does when making a point, Lightfoot argued, quote, our children are watching. And what they need to see is that there is no substitute for direct engagement and actually having a conversation and understanding another point of view and tolerating differences. Make no mistake, this toxic environment is fomented by extremes on the right and the left, neither of which leave room for compromise, which is one of the pillars of democracy. Now, I, it's funny that Lori Leifer would be saying this. I, t- I totally agree with that statement, just as it's written. I believe that you have to have compromise. That's life. You, you make compromises to get something. You do that every day in your ordinary life. Uh, and, uh, and I also believe that uh, people should agree without being disagreeable. Right. D isn't that that old statement, you know? So like I had Raylo on last Friday, Alderman Raymond Lopez. I don't Raylo and I, we don't see eye to eye on many things. Let's put it that way. In fact, when, the, when he was over, he sent me a text that's saying there's going to be a new drinking game when he comes on the show that every time I tell Raylo, I don't agree with you. He's going to take a shot. And yet, I'll listen to Raylo. You know, I'll give him an opportunity to speak his mind. I think you have to learn how to have a disagreement without having a fight. And I am not seeing that from Mayor Lori Life. I'm just putting that out there, uh, Mayor Lightfoot. You you stated that, you stipulated that in this speech, um, yet I don't see it. You get so upset with people who disagree with you, and you seem to hold it against them, like Raylo. Alderman Raymond Lopez, uh, who else out there? Like, uh, oh, Stacey Davis Gates in the Chicago Teachers Union. You know, and that, that little line about the left and the right. Uh, see, I have a hard time with this, and this is because I'm a lefty. But whenever I see, like, people on the left grouped with people on the far right, I have a t- Trouble with that because I think it's a false equivalency. I don't believe that when Stacey Davis Gates and Carlos Ramirez Rosa and other lefties in the city of Chicago call for something like more funding for mental health services and diverting money from, let's say, police budgets to mental health services. I don't believe it's the same thing as someone on the right, like Donald John Trump saying Nazis are nice people too. I think that's a false equivalency. And so when the mayor antagonizes the left in Chicago over issues of substance, like how we divide up the pie, and when she antagonizes people on the right over things like how the right gives sanction to Nazis, I don't think they're equivalent. I think one is a legitimate dispute between Democrats that should be ironed out respectfully. And the other is an absolute that all good people should take a stand on. And that's why, again, I'll go back to Durkin. I give him credit for taking a stand against a person waving a swastika at a protest. I think that would be the bare minimum you could expect from a Republican. I'm a little disappointed that it's apparently only Durkin who's willing to take that stand, but I give him credit for doing that. So I don't think it's fair for Lori Lightfoot to sort of equate the left, in this case, people like me, with the right, which is people like Donald Trump. So just... When I said when I saw that in the paper today, I know I called you up. I called you up to one to uh, talk about. Oh my God, 
the wire is down. Quick, quick. There's a guy on the, but I also called to go, can you believe this? So I'm just saying, Lori Lightfoot, you know what? I don't know. Why don't you call Raylo up and say, hey, Raylo, let's go have a drink, socially distanced. Or why don't, why don't you reach out to Stacey Davis Gates? It won't kill you. You know, it's like, okay, I'll say it again. They went overboard in their love for Tony Preckwinkle in the campaign. They propped Tony Preckwinkle up way too much. They hit you really hard, way too hard. But come on, can we get over it? Right? Yeah. You had the dispute over the teacher strike. Can't we get over it? Isn't that what you said? What does he say, D? No substitute for direct engagement and actually having a conversation. So get on the horn and call Stacey Davis Gates. Hold on. I'll do it for you. Stacey? Sorry, just kidding. Oh, just I, kidding. I thought you were really calling someone there. That noise sounded just like a phone. No, but seriously, Mayor, call up Raylo. See how that goes. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. All right, guys. All right, just come on. Separate corners. Proves my point. See how that goes, though. Call them up. All right. Now, today we welcome back two summer favorites to the city of Chicago, one of which our host hasn't stopped talking about <laughs> all week long. My God, he loves it. Lollapalooza has returned. People, if you could only hear Ben Jarofsky off the mic. My God. Man, D, I can't wait for Lala. I'm sleeping, dude. It's like one in the morning. Oh, yes. Now, obviously, due to the coronavirus outbreak, this year's Lollapalooza will be a virtual one, and it will feature only performances from previous Lollapaloozas, a best-of-palooza, if you will. The four-day music festival will run from July 30th today to August 2nd, with sets airing exclusively on YouTube starting at 5 p.m. each night. And right now, in my bearded face for podcasting, <laughs> I have the lineup for every night. Let's run through a few of these here. Listeners, I tried to talk Ben out of this, all right? But he insisted <laughs> that we read this. I was like, dude, we're a political show. This isn't our wheelhouse, really. And he's like, I don't care. I love it so much. Big Lollapalooza fans. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, let's start with night one tonight. And you won't believe this, guys. Kicking off the event is Lollapalooza founder and Jane's Addiction frontman Perry Farrell with Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Now, I'm sure they're just going to be given an introduction or something like that, but who knows? Maybe we will hear Lori and Perry play that Mayor Lightfoot classic, Stay Home, Save Lives. <laughs> Stay home. Save the uh, Fingers yeah. crossed. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Yeah. But what's that other, what's that Lori Lightfoot song that she liked by uh, Todd Rundgren? Remember that? We all forgot that. Oh, what is that song? I just remember Todd Rundgren. I don't remember the, by the way, name of the song. I give you credit. You like knew like the correct pronunciation of the dude's name. Perry it's Farrell? Perry Farrell. Yeah. I want to call it Farrell. But no, it's Farrell. <laughs> I believe. Uh, Maybe it is Farrell. Jane's Addiction. Perry Farrell? Jane's Addiction. What's your favorite Jane's Addiction song, B? Uh, I've been caught stealing once when I was five. You know what I'm talking about? That's not my favorite. <laughs> See, like my you favorite know. is. 
I love it when they do. Do you know the way to San Jose? I'm going back. <laughs> the original know, bass player uh, for uh, Perry Farrell and uh, that band Jane's Addiction, Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I did not know that. <laughs> uh, well, you learn something new every day, buddy. Uh, his name is really Flea? Yeah. His mother named him Flea? Oh, I mean, I don't think I it's... think I'm going to name you Flea. Oh, okay. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> it's right. like a boy named Sue. I'll name him anything. Bill, George. Tonight, tonight look for acts such as Run the Jewels, Josh Hame, oh. Cypress oh. Hill, Uncle oh. L himself, LL Cool J, Paul McCartney, Tom Morello, and LCD Sound System. Ben, you knew like two of those, right? <laughs> I know who Paul McCartney is. Yeah. And Tom Let Morello. Oh, yeah. I like Tom Morello, man. I like that dude. He's the one who came to Chicago in 2012 and gave the concert acoustic guitar with the nurses denouncing uh, Rahm Emanuel. Ever since then, I've loved that guy. All right. I don't know any of his songs, but I love I love the fact that he's unafraid. And uh, so a lot of love for him. All right. Uh, so that's a highlight of night one tonight on tonight two. Tenacious D. Yeah, they're going to be uh, they're going to play. I know that. them. Seriously. I know that's Jack Black's group. Yep. Right. Yep. And Kyle, Kyle Gass. Boy, he's speechless. <laughs> That's the other guy in Tenacious D. Oh, I did not know that. Uh, I just knew Jack Black. Okay. This sorry. is my coworker, guys. All right, night two, Tenacious D, Metallica, LL Cool J again, apparently, Chuck D, and Chance the Rapper. As well, as we all know, Metallica is the, the band, the heavy metal band with the one-armed drummer. So I'm a big That's fan of Def that. That's Def Leppard. All right. We're moving oh, on. <laughs> on to night three. Sorry. Uh, Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee. He used to be married to Pamela Anderson. Oh, yeah. I saw the uh, roast. That's how I know him. Tommy Lee Anderson, isn't that his last name or something? Well, they had a roast. No. You ever see the roast, the Tommy Lee roast? It's actually pretty funny. Well, it was a Pamela Jay Anderson Ross. roast, and he was there for oh, okay. Pamela Anderson. <laughs> I get that all messed up, but I remember Boy, the roast. Man. Stick to tiffs, pal. All right, night three, Tommy Lee, Jane's Addiction, uh, LL uh, Cool J, uh, third night in a row, Outcast, wow, Vic Mensa, and Pearl Jam. Vic Benza, uh, I know because he went to Whitney Young High School. I mean, I don't know him, but I know that he's from Chicago. And I believe he went to Little Lincoln Elementary School in the north side of Chicago. How about that for knowing that, D? Way to uh, go. He did a 16 shots, I think. He did yep. a song, a protest song. Yeah, so yeah. Give the, me credit for knowing that uh, stuff. Laquan McDonald song, 16 shots here. All right, and the final night, night four, we got the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. The Magic Hippies will be performing. Yes, apparently oh. Ben Jarofsky is in a band after all. The Magic Hippies. <laughs> I love the Magic Hippies. Love the Magic Hippies. LL Cool J again, four nights in a row, but this time uh, with Mayor Lightfoot. So I'd imagine there would be some uh, cheesy LL jokes. So Lori Lightfoot, LL Cool J. And finally, I'm sure every hipster in their mid-30s in Logan Square will be watching this one. The Arcade Fire. <laughs> Uh, uh, never heard of them, D. I have to tell you. Are you a fan? No, not at all. I've heard oh, okay. them, not so much. But I'm surprised. Okay. I'm so surprised you've never heard of them. I've so, never heard of Arcade Fire. <laughs> Sorry, guys. So there you are. This weekend's virtual Lollapalooza lineup streaming on YouTube starting at 5 p.m. tonight. Look for our host, Ben Jarofsky, in the crowd waving a lighter with his Arctic Monkeys <laughs> t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> 
All right, yeah, so man. that was one summer return, Lollapalooza. The <laughs> other, those stupid scooters. Yes. Oh, no. City officials on Thursday announced the three e-scooter companies oh, uh, that will participate in the second pilot program set to launch on August 12th. These, oh, Ben, please hold uh, your excitement. Uh, these com- the companies are Bird, Lime, and Spin. No. <laughs> Bird, Lime, and Spin. There were seven. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I thought it was social distancing. We're not doing the scooters right they i mean most people who are on those scooters don't know what the hell they're doing it's i hate to break it i know i sound like the proverbial old man get off my lawn but dennis and i back in the old days when we were at the sun times building in the west loop would walk out uh, after a hard day of work putting this show together and all of a sudden, some doofus in a scooter. <laughs> Look out! This guy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what? What? Why are you doing this? Okay, you can't ride that thing. Right, and they just—it's so crazy. No helmet, just jumping on the thing, getting in traffic with cars. Like, okay, good luck, I guess. Yeah, I. They're like, let's bring know. that back, and we got the pandemic going on. Everybody's yeah. sharing scooters. All right, cool. Yeah, there you go. Great idea. I, I was hoping that they would use the pandemic as an excuse to get. Let's just use it as an excuse. Nope, I'm going to bring it back. This is like Chicago's attitude about like how we could be a hip city. We could be really hip and cool with our scooters. Meanwhile, half our city is broke. Meanwhile, like we can't afford mental health clinics. But we'll put those scooters out there, and everybody at Logan Square and Wicker Park will be like, oh, such a cool city. I love Chicago in the summer. Oh, God. That was a new, was that was a new voice that you're doing there. <laughs> It's like my Logan Square hipster meets the girl in uh, Shit's Creek. Hey, David. So I just, I don't know. I was hoping they would use it as an excuse. I know I sound like an old man. I, re- I admit it. I admit it. I sound like the old guy in Dennis the Menace, which. Mr. Wilson? Yes. How did you know that? How did you know? <laughs> like the oldest millennial in the world, folks? I found the oldest millennial in the world. As soon as I said, like the old guy, Dennis, I said, oh, nobody's going to know that. But that's the, he's always, I know I sound like that, but I think 50% of the hipsters in Chicago agree with those scooters are freaking dangerous in so many ways now that there's a pandemic going on like guys uh but anyway uh by the way listeners don't worry actual news coming up just hang tight all right don't stop listening uh let's see here it says here the upcoming pilot will include up to 9,999 scooters across the city uh 3,333 scooters per company uh, here's a press release from Mayor Lightfoot. It said, quote, the selected companies demonstrated in their applications the ability to meet Chicago's strict operational safety and equity guidelines. So, yeah, yeah, right. If she's clearly never seen the 90 percent of the people who ride these scooters don't know what they're doing. All right, D, what else you got there? The boundaries in which the scooters will be able to operate have been expanded and will include nearly all parts of Chicago except the Lakefront Trail. No congregating. <laughs> the Lakefront Trail. The it's okay if you congregate everywhere, but not on the lakefront. Uh, oh, the, what a city. The 606 Trail in the city's central business district, which includes the Loop and other portions of the downtown area. All right. 
All right. Scooter gate. And uh, shout out to Claire on the live stream chat. Yeah, I went a little hard in the paint there on Arcade Fire and uh, Logan Square. My apologies. All right. And finally, let's end it out with some actual news. And Ben, I'm just going to pass you the ball on this one. Uh Sneed got the exclusive again. Damn you, Sneed. Uh, yeah, Can you share yes, a little bit, Sneed? We'd like an exclusive as well. But uh, Michael Sneed got an exclusive interview with former Chicago Bears coach Mike Ditka. Ben. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. I forgot about this. Yeah. All right. So just to help people out, Michael Sneed is a uh, legendary uh, Chicago columnist. Uh, she is kind of in semi-retirement for the Chicago Sun-Times. I think DC writes maybe, uh, I don't know, once a week, if that, um, on Sundays. Anyway, every now and then she gets an exclusive, uh, which always kind of <laughs> we always laugh about because we never get any exclusives. Never. So even in, re- even in retirement, needs uh, beating us to the punch. I remember she got Pat Quinn. Yeah, Governor Quinn, calling you out. He used to come on my show all the time and talk about this, that, the other thing. No, you called him out to his face. He came on our show the next day, and you told him, like, hey, man, why didn't you give us the scoop? Did I say that? Yeah. It sounds like something. Else. Hey, man, why didn't you give us? And then he was like, ha, ha, ha. Uh, Sign my anyways. petition. He uh, he he gave her the exclusive when he ran for announcer, running for attorney general. Michael uh, Keller Ditka doubling down on criticisms of kneeling athletes and support for Trump. And I'm just going to have to explain. Uh, my, many of the listeners probably don't even remember Mike Ditka. He used to be the coach of the Bears. And I, I, my attitude about Mike Ditka is this. He was a great, great, great football player. And I have total respect for Mike Ditka as a football player. He was a tight end for the Chicago Bears uh, in the 1960s. I believe he also played for the Dallas Cowboys. He was a mediocre coach. Folks in Chicago, let's just be honest. Michael Keller Ditka, he prides himself on being honest. Let's just tell it like it is. He inherited a great team. They won one Super Bowl, and then they underachieved. From that point on, he took a stand against his own players. When he took a stand against their the union uh, in the strike in 1987, or he was at 86, I want to say, one of those years. And as a result, the team fell apart. Uh, he put himself ahead of the team. So Chicago Bear fans are in such denial about Mike Ditka. They have this love reverence, particularly older Chicago Bear fans, I'm talking about like 55 and above, they have this love and reverence for Michael Ditka uh, because of that Super Bowl in 1985. And let's be real, Chicago Bear fans, Buddy Ryan was a true genius, coaching genius on that football team. But anyway, I got to give Ditka credit about this. He took advantage of the prominence that his position as coach of that team uh, gave him, and he made a fortune as a pitch man. He advertises absolutely everything. And this is the part that gets to me as the host of a political talk show. He was given unprecedented leeway for the last 30 years or so to say whatever popped into his mind politically, and he's far right. And this kind of irritated me because this gets into, you know, my sense of victimhood, all right? The right's always crying about how they're victim. I do not know one prominent athlete who has that much, that many endorsements, made that much money pitching every single item in the world. I don't know any athlete who spoke as far to the left as Ditka went to the right. And it was such a double standard. And people's attitudes, well, (laughs) that's just Mike. That's just the coach. He's just speaking his mind. When somehow or other, it's okay if Michael Ditka says something absolutely outrageous, like when he took about Carol Mosley Braun in 1992 when she was running for Senate, one one of the, the first black women elected to the Senate. 
He treated it as though it was a catastrophic moment in the history of country, completely disrespectful to her. I can't imagine anybody on the left given that much leeway. And that's the double standard uh, that has existed for so many years. So to the point where when Colin Kaepernick took that knee, the whole like the whole establishment denounced him. And uh, so I, as the years went on, it got harder and harder for me to stomach the fact that Mike Dickett was free to say whatever he wanted. He was on TV shows, he had commercials. So I'll repeat what I said before, total respect for Mike Ditka as a football player, an outstanding football player. But I do believe the prominence he achieved as a, a pitch man and the money that he made uh, as a pitch man just shows the double standards that exist in this country when it comes to left and right. And it's starting to change. You know, so now it's like Ditka, he doesn't do that many commercials or advertisements. I haven't seen him out there. So now when they interview him, it's sort of like, well, <laughs> the, the old coach is still out there for Trump. I think he called Trump. Let me see. Let me sure I get this right. I want to say he said he was the greatest president that, that he's ever seen. I think that's what he said. Something like that. I can't find it uh, in this particular article. Uh, and he described himself as just being an old-fashioned guy who was raised by a former U.S. Marine uh, he didn't know until he was five years old and who was a dad who was tough but fair like George Hallis. Man, I know a lot of lefties who were Marines. Tony O, who came on this show about a month ago. Not everybody who's a Marine is a right-winger. And I know a lot of guys who grew up working class, had tough parents, they're not all windbags for Trump. So I'm like, this notion, well, I had a tough childhood. That's why I'm from Trump. What? You know what's funny? They, the Republicans denounce AOC because she made the most obvious point in the world that just a correlation between poverty and crime. Well, you've disrespected uh, all the poor people. That was their way of excusing themselves from doing absolutely anything to eradicate poverty. But then when it comes to uh, Mike Ditka, well, you know, his father was a Marine. So that's why he's going to support the most corrupt president we've had, a president who wakes up lying, a president who's been accused of rape, a president who defies congressional subpoenas, who defies the Supreme Court. That's why? Oh, because his father was, you're going to blame it on the father who was a Marine? Uh, don't get me started on Michael Keller Ditka. But anyway, I guess Michael Keller Dick is not going to be giving us scoops anytime soon. Huh, yeah, I was going to say, I, I kind of understand why we didn't get that scoop now. <laughs> I'll just say this one more time. Great football player. He was a great, great football player. Mediocre coach. All right. Let's go to the live stream chat here. Coming up in minutes, by the way, our good friend uh, and uh, resident foul mouth, uh, Adolfo Mondragon, election lawyer. Uh, but we got to go to the live stream chat and talk here. Uh, a shout out to Frank. Frank says, my God, those scooters will be a cesspool. <laughs> oh, and uh, also here, uh, I think, uh, you know, we got to find out once and for all here. Jay Marie uh, says, Ben knows that there is a such thing as reruns, right? When you're talking about uh, Dennis the Menace. And uh, then uh, Frank said, uh, I don't even think Ben has ever heard of a cartoon. And then we all went back to Scooby-Doo Gate, the time oh, no. you never heard of Scooby-Doo. You yeah. saw the dog and goes, oh, man, there's a dog. Who's that? 
That's uh, Scooby no, Doo. Tell me about it. I thought it was an ice cream. Remember that? Is that some kind of ice cream? Yeah. Pretty embarrassing there. Damn, why don't we reveal that? Should have, should have, a little too much information, D. Uh, and then uh, Dragon Slayer 19 uh, says, please tell me that Ben knows what Rocky and Bullwinkle is. Oh, no, I do know Rocky and Bullwinkle. Okay. Natasha. All right. Isn't there a Natasha in there? A, a Russian spy? Right, come on. There That's old, go. old cartoon stuff. All right, so we got know, uh, one cartoon. Mouse. He knows what Mighty Mouse. Have you ever seen Mighty Mouse? Yeah. I know he, Mighty Mouse. Here he comes to save the day. I know Mighty Mouse. Wow. How'd you know that? Oh, you know that because of Andy Kaufman. That's how you know that. No, I just know. I, I know things <laughs> like <laughs> cartoons. I know cartoons. Uh, no, but you know what? I have that prejudice and I must stop doing it. And you know what? I'm going to call myself out. And my prejudice is that millennials don't know anything that took place before they were born. So I'm like, D, you know about Mighty Mouse? That's way before you were born. And you're like, uh, I have TV, okay? Well, once again, like I, like Jay Marie said, uh, you know that there's a such thing as reruns, right? Valid, valid point. So if, if, if I told you uh, Sanford and Son, you know what that is? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> okay. Shout out! Shout out to our good friend Kathy. Kathy says, uh, "Dit Kasor because his restaurant shut down." Yeah, he is. He's sad. Let's be your good point there. The restaurant Michael Keller did the best pork chop in Chicago. I actually never ate there, but they were known for their pork chops. Did you know that, D? No, I did not. Wow. Learn something new every day. Uh, then Frank asked, "What has Mike Ditka even done for Chicago?" Uh, excellent question. And the answer is he was a great football player for the Bears in the 60s. And that is about it. <laughs> they would have won the Super Bowl, guys, in 1985 uh, if Buddy Ryan had been the head coach. And they probably would have won it two more times. Hate to say that, Chicago, but that's that's a fact. And or at least that's my opinion. And my opinion. finally to Fred, uh, Fred asks a good question. We haven't talked about it yet. Your thoughts on uh, the recent passing of Herman Cain? Wow. Uh, I got a uh, text earlier this morning about that. And uh, I really um, uh, don't like to, say, you know, when someone dies, it's, I really am old school this way. I don't want to speak ill of anyone. So uh, my condolences to the family. Uh, politically speaking, I'm wondering how the Republicans are going to handle this. As everybody knows, Herman Cain uh, was a prominent supporter of Donald Trump, and he was at the Tulsa rally took a picture of himself at the Tulsa rally. Uh, and then he came down with the virus uh, about a week or so after the rally, the Tulsa rally day. And the first, you know, the, the messages they put out was like immediately defending Trump. This is, this is so Republican, immediately defending Trump. Well, we don't know if he contracted it at the rally. He was at a, a lot of other places. It wasn't just the rally. And, uh, so yeah, my guess is that it's going to be, uh, they're going to go overboard to try to, uh, distinguish you know where he possibly caught uh the virus it wasn't a rally don't blame donald trump uh so it'll be a political thing but uh yeah so i'm that's kind of how i view herman cain it's going to be interesting to see the political fallout of this all right i'm sure uh our next guest adolfo mondragon will be talking about that and so much more so don't go anywhere everybody remember you can find us on social media at benny j show b-e-n-n-y the letter j show on facebook twitter and instagram say hey to our good friends pat and leah while you're there they do a great job in helping us out on the social media you can uh, send us an email if you'd like benny j show at gmail.com and you can leave us a voicemail 
And I won't uh, make fun of 708 numbers, Dragon Slayer. He said, hey, you know, I'd, I'd leave a voicemail, but Dennis is harsh on these 708 uh, phone number people. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. We would love to hear from you. People, after this song from Michael Girardi, the one, the only, Adolfo Mondragon will be with us. It's tax increment financing. You're listening to The Ben Jarofsky Show. We are live from Ben's attic in my apartment. Don't go anywhere.
read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from my apartment in Ben's attic. <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, Adolfo El Dragon Mondragon, the pride and joy of Brighton Park, the pride and joy of the back of the yards, the pride and joy of the 15th Ward, the pride and joy of Curry High, the man went to Yale, oh, he's going to mention that a few times, <laughs> and he went to the University of Chicago Law School, he's no dope, ladies and gentlemen, can you imagine me trying to get in, you know what, Adolfo, my SAT scores were so abysmal, okay, I, I, I think I'm living testimony, living proof that test scores do not automatically, well, I hope that I'm living proof of this, uh, show, you know, everything you can do. Anyway, your test scores must be pretty damn good because you got an EL and you were in Chicago. <laughs> that's my introduction for you. Welcome back to the show, young man. Thank you. That, that was, that's really nice. Thanks. <laughs> uh, and uh, just so everybody knows, I met Adolfo about, I want to say 10 years ago. Uh, I had briefly... Um, with my dear friend Daddy D, we had a uh, a talk show at the University of Chicago, and Adolfo was after us, right? Wasn't that you were after That's us, right? right? <laughs> oh my God! And um, right uh, before me was Sergio Mims. So That's Sergio's great. a regular on this show. You're a regular on this show. So it's it's funny. Uh, people that I knew uh, back in the day coming uh, still alive. right when you when you fled your uh, your early early uh, days in radio. <laughs> yeah, mostly arguing about music with Daddy D. All right, uh, <laughs> we're not going to talk about the time that I thought a song that was in uh, Japanese was in Spanish. Let's just not talk about that <laughs> at the moment. All right, Adolfo. Uh, maybe I deserve those low SAT scores. Okay, let's talk Trump. Uh, we got. A, I got four things uh, on my agenda to talk with you. I'm, I'm sure we'll go on to other issues as well on tangents, but definitely want to talk Trump and his talk of delaying the election. I want to talk the Goya boycott with you. Really love to get your thoughts on that. Uh, talk about Michael Joseph Madigan and the predicament that many Democrats find themselves in. And then I want to talk about something in your backyard. Uh, Adolfo ran for alderman in the 15th Ward. Uh, against Raylo, right? So you got some perspective on Raylo, who's on the show uh, last week, and his squabble with Lori Lightfoot. So these are just some of the issues I want to talk to you about. Uh, and also, I got to tell everybody, Bofo, huge Bernie Sanders supporter, was for Bernie long before it was fashionable. And uh, even before I was for Bernie, Adolfo was for Bernie. So um, you were for Bernie back in 2015. And I was for AOC early, early on, early on. Is that right? Well, I remember seeing her um, her campaign video that she did on social media when she was like a nobody and it went viral. And that that one uh, campaign video, like I could sense something really different about her. And I immediately sent some money. And uh, the next thing you know, like a couple weeks later, it went viral. And she had all this money coming in from all over the United States, and that's what helped her uh, win that election. Well, I, I've always said, Chicago, 
the difference between Chicago and New York, here we're on a tangent already. We were going to talk about this. <laughs> but AOC got elected in New York, and I can't think of it. And I've said this to you many times, someone like you who was invited, nobody invited you to the party, so to speak, you know, would have done, I think, a lot better in New York. I think New Yorkers have a, a bit more of an open mind. Correct, disagree me vehemently if you want to, Adolfo. No, I think, I think uh, that the Chicago's- only thing I would add to that is that, at least in the case of AOC, maybe not anybody else, is that although it did have to happen with an open-minded person voting in New York, I mean, definitely that video that she made and that money that came in from elsewhere, from without New York, yeah. gave her the boost. So without that money, I don't know that it's, you know, maybe maybe she has to run two, three times before she gets elected. Well, uh, and you raised money. We're getting to this with Michael Madigan. Uh, we've been, we were teasing, all week long we were teasing uh, Democrats for not being a little cautious about uh, denouncing Madigan in the, uh, in the wake of the Commonwealth Edison s- uh, scandal. The reality is that he controls a lot of the money that funds campaigns in the state. So that explains without money, you don't have freedom. So uh, all right, let's start at the top with Donald John Trump. He tweeted out today a suggestion. It was just a suggestion, Adolfo. He put it with questions. Maybe we should delay the election. What do you think he's up to? Uh, man, you know, unfortunately, I, I, uh, I see a lot of foreshadowing here on what his um, – exit strategy is going to be well it's not even an exit strategy it's his how i'm going to stay in power uh strategy um this uh this tweet along with the fact that he's basically established a uh secret police in the united states in the last couple of weeks by sending federal troops to places like portland oregon and chicago and atlanta and a couple of other uh cities in, in where federal agents are just literally kidnapping people <clears throat> from the streets. I mean, it's, it's a Stasi, man. It's like, uh, it's secret police. Uh, the fact also now that it's come to light that despite uh, the ruling by the Supreme Court that uh, he must uh, reinstitute the DACA program that, um, you know, his federal agencies are not going to abide by that ruling and instead are going to put it in a holding pattern and think about it. Um, Basically giving a big finger to the judicial branch of our government. All of these things put together are leading me in one direction. And also the fact that he on Fox, he's basically admitting that he doesn't know if he'll accept the uh, election results if he loses and William Barr basically hedging the same way. Uh, All of this leads me to believe that when he loses in November, he is going to conjure up some bullshit to not leave the fucking office. And they're going to have to send federal officers out there and fucking arrest his ass. I don't know. I don't know what the end game will be, but I sense that that's where we're heading. Well, how decisive uh, does his defeat have to be before the Republicans uh, join in the chorus uh, asking him to leave? Well, that's the, that's a million dollar question because if you, all right, let's say if it's very close, then they'll then the rationale will be well it's very close just like Gore, uh, Bush and we're going to go to the courts and we're going to delay this process. But unlike Gore, who at some point even though he knew maybe he could have won, you know, if the process had kept going, he said no. Our democratic institution and our history says that at this point there has to be continuity and you have to be a you know a a good loser 
just like Nixon was when John F. Kennedy stole the election from him. And that's what our history and our government demands. I'm going to step aside. But this asshole will not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if it's a landslide victory against him, then all the conspiracy shit will come out. And, and the rationale will be, well, clearly, I couldn't have lost by this much but since I won by so many electoral college votes last time that, um, that clearly there was uh, fraud. And now I'm not fucking leaving. So no matter how you, you what the outcome is, he's going to have some fucking crazy rationale for it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I let's just make a uh, slight correction. JFK stole the election from Nixon. Uh, let's give the credit to the man who really stole the election. Oh, right, 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 right. LBJ stole that election. He was the vice presidential uh, candidate with JFK. He stole it in Texas. Okay. That's where that election was stolen. But uh, that's one of my many obsessions there. But yeah. Well, so you don't what- get- do you give any Giancana and any of that, those guys credit no. to or no? No. <laughs> I've, uh, that's a total uh, tangent within a tangent within a tangent. But the bo- vote uh, stealing that took place in Chicago uh, in Cook County was largely an attempt to undercut a guy named Ben Adamowski who was running for state's attorney. Uh-huh. And Richard, Richard J. Daly despised Adamowski, was worried that Adamowski would do an investigation. Well, so I don't, even, both- I, don't, I don't even believe that stealing was like at the top for Kennedy was at the top of the agenda. You follow what I'm saying? Right. So. right. Well, somebody should have told Giancana that because he was pissed. <laughs> well, yeah, it did. They, they, they all believe that they, they, they got him to the white house. So, but in yeah. any case, in any case, someone stole the election and the famous quote, and I think they put it in the uh, Oliver Stone uh, movie of Nixon. If someone tells Nixon, Hey, he, he stole it fair and square. And now you got to just sit back and take it and come back later on. Yeah, which is what Nixon did. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but Donald Trump's different. Believe it or not, Richard Nixon was f- much younger than Donald Trump is now. So if Donald Trump Donald Trump loses, which he will, in my humble opinion, uh, then there's no second act. It's not like he's going to exactly. wait it out eight years. Exactly. Uh, and by the way, I believe, um, so when you talk about a landslide, this is the distinction I always make. He lost the last election. Wasn't even as close as Gore Bush. He lost pretty decisively. Oh, he lost uh, the electoral vote. Right, right. That is correct, and that's uh, so. To me, that's he lost the election. Right. We have this insane uh, s- system, so he got to be the president and claim a mandate, uh, <laughs> which is really bizarre. Um, I mean, if we were a parliamentary form of government, he would have to negotiate with the op- opposition parties to try to put together, stitch together right. a, a ruling. So anyway, uh, in this particular case, I believe he'll lose the popular vote by even more than he did in uh, 2016. So then the issue will come down to individual states. And that gets into his uh, the uh, voting by mail. And that's his big claim. Now, you're an election lawyer, among other things. Uh, you've practiced election law in Chicago for a long time. Uh, how much legitimacy do you give to his accusation that there's something uh, dubious about? Yeah, America? very little. It's very marginal. I think that from at least from uh, the little that I've looked into it uh, through my practice, um, ballot fraud occurs uh, uh, on the margins. I think we've had some examples here in Chicago uh, where some aldermen were accused and then I think found convicted of committing uh, absentee ballot fraud. 
most recently, I think there's been Republican examples of it happening in like in the Carolinas. I forget if it was North or South Carolina uh, and some other areas. So it can happen. I think that um, it, it happens. I think that the place where it's more likely to happen is in a very small local race where absentee ballots and the logistics of committing the fraud are possible. Nationwide, the logistics of committing something like that are so fucking difficult to pull off, and you'd have to invest so much money. It'd be so obvious that you were committing the fraud um, that it's. I think it's it's really not likely at all. Yeah, I, and the the irony is that uh, Donald Trump will be dependent on uh, voter by mail because a lot of his uh, his voters are older people and they're not right. they're the ones who are not going to want to go out and get their lives threatened by the virus they're going to want to vote by mail right. there was a congressional election in California that he won that the republicans won <laughs> in large part because of the vote by mail but what he'll do Adolfo is say when old white people vote by mail that's legitimate oh, okay exactly he wants to have his cake and eat it too like every you know everything else in life and uh that that's exactly it. His rationale will be, well, it's okay for me, but it's not okay for you. Like everything else, right? If I win, that's cool. But if I lose, there's fraud. You know, if this happens, if I get good press, it's great. But if I get bad press, fuck you. You know, so it's it's always great for him, but bad if if it's against him, right? So, yeah. you you know, he he has his, all his bases covered. But you know, um, I, I don't know. I think. Finally, this coronavirus basically is what's uh, fucking them up. But for this, I don't know, man. I think the, the dude might might have a legitimate shot at winning. Well, I never thought he was going to win. Uh, I always thought that uh, I just felt that this country was had made a decision that Trump was too extreme. But you're absolutely correct. What the virus has done is destroyed his rationale for a reelection. In other words, right. a strong economy. Uh, and uh, so it makes it that much harder for someone to justify voting for him. Uh, all right. Now let's get to the Goya boycott. I really want to, why don't you uh, give people a little introduction what's going on here and then we'll get to the issue itself. All right. Well, uh, Goya is a, uh, is a Spanish foods brand. That's been around for many years. I forget when it when it when it originated. Uh, probably a hundred plus years or something. By a Spaniard uh, who lived in Cuba, I think, who's then ended up in the U.S. I don't know. The, the point is that it it offers. It's one. It's a multinational corporation that has been like a standard bearer of offering when others could not um, basic food staples in the Latin American cuisine. So whether you're Caribbean or uh, Mexican or Central American or South American, they provided, uh, they provide uh, food staples that are, you know, common within most of the cuisines of those areas, like beans and uh, seasonings, uh, et cetera. And so even in my family, uh, Goya products have been, popular throughout my 40 plus years. And uh, when I was in college, the one year that I lived off campus and I cooked for myself and I cooked for friends and stuff, uh, one of the popular um, items that I have or a cooking secret was uh, the Goya seasoning that I would put on steaks and uh, and people loved it. So it's a beloved um, uh, food product in the Latino community, but recently it's conservative president which is like a third generation Goya guy, I think, um, 
you know, basically went to the Rose Garden or somewhere in the White House and publicly Donald Trump's and 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 uh, and then you know people got pissed and now they're boycotting it. But the controversy is not that. The controversy is that conservatives are crying that it's unfair to you know have backlash against the guy who was merely expressing his uh, his uh, you know his right to have thoughts about Donald Trump. All right. What's your thoughts about that? First of all, the, uh, the, the argument that the man should have a, a right, the First Amendment protected right for free expression. Go. Well, first, uh, first of all, as always, First Amendment is only implicated when the government prohibits you from speaking. So it's not a First Amendment issue. It is a speech issue in that, you know, this person obviously publicly expressed how he felt about Trump and he has, I believe, every right to do so. But it's a two way road, man. It's like you just can't say something and then expect people not to have their own opinion about what you just opined, right? And so for all these little snowflake Republicans to be like, oh, it's so unfair. Why are you Why are you hurting this gazillionaire in the pocket where it hurts because just because he loves Trump, you, you non-free speech loving Democrats, it's such bullshit. You know, I mean, free speech goes both ways. Um, in fact, one you know one of the common legal um, uh, 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 theories or backings of free speech cases are that there's this idea that there's a marketplace of thoughts, right? And the marketplace means that the, the, it's not a one-way street. It's not a one, you know, the, you you have to. And there's also this belief that you counter speech with speech, right? So the ACLU will tell you that you know you don't you don't stifle speech. You counter speech with speech. And that there's this marketplace of ideas. So what happened to that conservative thought of there's a marketplace of ideas? All of a sudden there isn't one. There's a monopoly of ideas. It's only your ideas that matter. Fuck that. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, the, the notion of a marketplace, by the way, you could show, uh, that shows your University of Chicago training uh, <laughs> when you talk about the marketplace of ideas, because that's so University of Chicago free market uh, notion. But you're, that that is correct. I, I actually, I believe in that. So you put your ideas out. I put my ideas out. Let's see, you know, who prevails. Now, it, you could say, well, it's a fixed system, like uh, the, the most powerful, uh, like getting to Madigan, uh, we'll get right. just ahead of the time. Part of the reason I say this, I've said this all day, and I've said this all the time. Part of the reason why people know Madigan is that the Republicans exercise their rights of free speech to bombard us with commercials right. assailing Madigan. So we go, well, in the marketplace of ideas, the anti-Madigan ideas prevail. Well, no, they got a boost by <laughs> millions and millions of dollars. So it's not really a free market. Uh, right, right, right. It costs money to control the market. You've understood what I'm saying, Adolfo? Right, right. Generally, but of course, people like AOC will tell you, like, well, when people put, you know, get behind an idea, you know, they they can overcome money. Just how she overcame all the money that was, you know, these conservatives placed into her her recent opponent, and she, you know, handily defeated that person despite the billions and millions of dollars. But overall, yes, you are correct. I think that yeah. money talks, right? I mean, money talks, and so. Uh, <laughs> All right. So, but in in uh, in principle, I love the idea of a marketplace of uh, an exchange of free ideas. All right. So, the gentleman whose name I always struggle with, the head of Goya, uh, Robert, and I, I'm going to butcher his last name. U N A N U E uh, was uh, extolled the virtues of Donald Trump at this press conference, 
and then one of his defense, Adolfo, is that, well, he also had a press conference with Michelle Obama, but I had a laugh when I heard that. I don't recall him extolling the virtues of Barack Obama as the greatest president of the United States. Okay? Right, right, it's right. It's one right. thing like to say, well, if I'm going to promote good diet habits. I'm going to appear with Michelle Obama at a, like, let's eat healthy thing. Right, it's right, right, right. It's the greatest president who ever walked. Right, I mean, right, right, right. So where's your position on that? Are you boycotting Goya now? You know, uh, in the in our family hold, I believe we are. Um, and I'll tell you, it's kind of hard because those those products are they're very solid, very uh, good uh, food products. But the the market is such now that there are other companies out there providing similar products, and so it's easy just to you know uh, just convert to some other company that is. Uh, providing maybe not as equally delicious or good but you know comparable substitutes so yeah screw this guy i mean we we the latino community in the united states you know spend so much of our money in that in that company in that product and then for this guy not to feel the pulse of our community and go to the white house and extol you know this dude who's been the worst president towards latinos in the history of the United States. I mean, come on, you, you you can't expect you know to get a pass, you know, for that kind of folly. All right, now let's get into this issue because this is a very important issue. Uh, the Latino community, as you know, you you and I have had this conversation a million times over the last ten years. You can't paint with a broad brush brush when you talk about people in the Latino community. Oh, sure, uh, there's because, no monolithic you right. know, community out there. And Donald Trump's response was a commercial, which. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen this commercial? Have I've seen, seen the, commercial? the I've seen the photograph. He has lined up like a bunch of cans of Goya food or something, and on and the presidential desk or something, yeah. right? But his commercial essentially links opposition to Donald Trump and to Goya Foods to people who support Fidel Castro. So it's like his notion of the Latino community is the Cuban American community. Do you follow and what I'm saying? And he's so stupid because he comes from New York, from Queens, New York. So he should know that there is like a, a variety of ethnicities that come from the Caribbean and from Latin America. I mean, it, there's more Puerto Ricans in New York City and Dominicans than Cubans. And he thinks that they're all Cubans, you know? What well, an idiot. His, yeah, that's his response. Uh, and I think really. Uh, realistically, if they're counting votes, Adolfo, and I'd love to get your response to this, they decided that the only Latino vote that matters is the Cuban-American vote in Florida. And because they're not going to win Illinois, so your vote doesn't matter. And we have this crazy system. I like to remind everybody this electoral college system. Uh, so your vote doesn't matter. The votes of Mexican Americans in California, that doesn't matter. Uh, it, New Mexico, that doesn't matter. All that matters are Cuban American voters in Florida because that could swing Florida from Democrat to Trump that could give him the electoral votes he needs to possibly win. I think that's the strategy, the mindset among Republican operatives, hence that commercial. Your response? Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think if, if I mean, by, you know, calling out Fidel Castro supporters, I think you clearly narrow it down to, you know, this uh, anti-Castro community from the 
from the sixties, right? And but the thing is, like, I haven't even looked at the demographics. That that age population, I mean, it's got to be up there now, right? So, and since then, there's been uh, a number of different waves from Cuba itself and from other parts of the Caribbean into uh, Florida, including also Latin Americans from like Colombia and Venezuela, etc. So, I really wonder what the 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 strength of that you know, conservative Cuban community is in, in Florida. I think it's basically, I would guess, I haven't looked at the numbers recently, but I would guess that it's an aging population and it's one that's probably waning in power because people are dying off. So you don't think it's a, a sound electoral strategy by Trump? I, well, no, for a couple of reasons, right? One, because this population may be waning. Uh, and two, because... Clearly, there are other states that are, are swing states that have um, Latino populations, like Texas. Texas is you know, a state that has a substantial number of Mexican-Americans in particular. There's also Central Americans now. Uh, for the last 20, 30 years, there's a growing population there of Salvadorians, et cetera, um, who are going to play an important role in this election and in future elections. And Texas is a swing state at least for this upcoming election. And, uh, and and if they were smart, they would look at not only Florida, but a state like Texas and maybe other states where you would be surprised that there is a growing um, number of Latinos that can potentially swing you know, the vote one way or the other. And what's your sense of uh, the Latino vote in this election? I know uh, 2016, you were, we, we had many conversations which you were saying, Ben, you'd be surprised uh, how many Mexican-Americans in Chicago voted for Trump or were sympathetic to Trump's point of view. What's your sense of where things are now? I think based on Bernie's campaign and the outreach in particular that he did uh, in the Latino community in California, for example, um, and even in places like Iowa where there is... Um, a small but, you know, consistent uh, population of Latinos, I think their their outreach to that community was tremendous. And and the, the, the people, both older and younger, that they brought out in the Latino community was amazing. Now, is Biden, I know, is basically begging for all the Bernie people to go and help him. I think that a lot of these people have have not gone to the Biden camp and are probably now out there doing their own private um, uh, consulting companies. I know that the guy who was in charge of the Latino uh, a vote for the Bernie campaign, I forget his name off the top of right now, a Texan guy. Um, he has his own consulting company and I think he's helping a democratic group that's going hardcore against the, uh, Donald Trump, it's a group of veterans, I think, that are doing these commercials that are basically saying Donald Trump is a traitor. But in any case, if if this um, this movement uh, towards, uh, you know, uh, paying attention to the needs and wants of the Latino community through the Bernie campaign kind of spill over, I think that, you know, that they could play a very decisive role in this election. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you on that point. Uh, and so that's why I thought, well, I just thought it was the, that Goya commercial that Trump aired, which was heavily, it's like linking the Goya boycott oh, to Castro. was like, I'm not sure this is going to win over a lot of voters. All right, let's move to the local. Uh, Michael Joseph Madigan, House Speaker. 
head of the Democratic Party uh, in the state of Illinois, got caught up uh, in the Commonwealth Edison scandal. Commonwealth Edison has admitted uh, to having uh, put Madigan uh, cronies on the payroll, giving them contracts, uh, put them on their board. Uh, they And they agreed to pay $200 million fine for their role in this. Uh, and yet many legislators in uh, the de- Democratic legislators are really reluctant, Adolfo, uh, to say that Michael Joseph Madigan should step down. I have said that he should step down, in my humble opinion, although I got to tell you, you know this. I really appreciate what he did for four years against Rauner, but I think he's gone too far in this case. What's your sense of what we call Madigan Gate? Well, I think I think his time uh, was up a long time ago. And although I like you appreciate how he stood up for unions and working class, my thing was like, what other move did he have? I mean, he had to back them. They were, you know, the, those are uh, the unions are. Uh, a big part of the democratic base and money base in the state of Illinois. So he had no choice but to defend them. And I think had there been somebody else at the helm, that person would have also defended them against Rauner. But okay. Uh, uh, wait, that, come on. I have to vigorously disagree. I got to disagree. What okay. other choice did he have? He could have done what Mayor Rahm and what John Cullerton were about to do. And that's throw him under the bus, tell him to shut up and accept his sellout and stick. Cause he's the only game in town. That's what he could have done. And he didn't okay. do it. Do you understand? You know, that game but, that those Democrats. He, okay. Play? So he does it. And that would have been his death sentence right there. So, I mean, he could have stupidly done that, but and he's a smart man. He made the right choice, right? Fair enough. Okay, continue. <laughs> okay. But, um, uh, no, I think, it, you know, I personally believe that, um, you know, no one should be in power that long mm-hmm. for good or bad. You know, I think that there should be a system of um, of term limits. I know that there are people who say, like, no, when you do studies about legislatures, you need them to be there a long time because it's only after many years that they get – the knowledge or whatever to actually be effective legislators. Well, that may be so, but I, I would still cut in favor of, you know, having limits because, um, you know, what Illinois politics has taught me is that uh, whether you're on the so-called good side or bad side, that your self-interests always rise. And this game of politics is really about the self-interest of the politician and how he gets his or hers. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think now it's inexcusable. There has always been talk about unethical behavior by Madigan, maybe not illegal, but definitely unethical ties in, in and conflicts in having a law firm that benefits from the fact that he has political connections at the agencies and institutions in government in which his law firm does business or does presents the clients before them. And so, you know, so there's always been talk and always been like consternation about whether or not this is right or not. And if it's not illegal or whatever, now we have evidence that it's beyond that. And it always has been probably. Uh, but, you know, not for someone to just say, well, let's wait till, you know, if this is true is, well, what more do you fucking need? You know, I mean, if this is true, yeah. I mean, come on, dude. You know, and and again, it, it's it's if we thought there was reason for him to give up power before, what are you waiting for now? 
You know? Yeah, no, that we have been having a field day for the last week <laughs> with the Dems go. If these allegations are true, uh, he has to step back. If these allegations are true, he's going to federal prison. Okay, <laughs> so stop with the if these allegations are true. I um, understand they're in a predicament. I understand they're in a pickle. Uh, by the way, uh, Frank, our, our ace uh, fact checker, uh, just texted me Chuck Roca. I believe that's the name of the Bernie Sanders operative who, uh, who is so important. Uh, yeah, yeah, so thank yeah. Thank you very much, Frank, uh, for weighing in, Frank. Uh, I think it's Rocha, Rocha. Rocha, my bad. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, uh, all right, yeah, I'm with you on Michael Madigan. I understand the consternation. But of, here's, uh, the thing, here's the thought, I think, though. I mean, part of the reticence of, of these, you know, weenie state reps and state senators is that, you know, there is, there's been no fomentation of real leadership to replace Madigan. Right. Yes. And so when you get there, they're afraid of what happens when he's gone. Yeah. Right. Because like you said, he's the source of, of, of money uh, to have these people reelected. If he's gone, who then becomes the player? Is there anyone capable of pulling in the reins and getting all that political action uh, money to help everybody out who doesn't have those connections? And, you know, is there, but for the grace of Madigan, Right? Yeah, I can and tell so, you who is JB Pritzker. Yeah, but look at him; he's even afraid of Madigan. I mean, he yeah, just kind of tippy toes around, yeah. like, well, should he? Well, if it's true, you know, yeah. what I mean, like, dude, come on. Well, how much more do you need? Yeah, uh, he's uh, he's really looking at that fair tax initiative in November. He wants that passed, uh, and he's thinking, mm, I need kind of need Madigan for that. Uh, I, I don't know if Madigan will still be around in November. We uh, we shall see. Uh, but all right, let's move on to Raylo, your alderman, uh, and his a battle of words with Mayor Lori Lightfoot. <laughs> and um, Raylo, as I said, was on the show on Friday defending himself and uh, giving his uh, perspective on things. What's your perspective uh, on this uh, battle, Adolfo? Then, just so everybody knows, Adolfo ran for alderman in the 15th Ward. Against Raylo, correct? I got that right. Okay, that, that uh, is correct. <laughs> and, uh, and that is correct. Correct, Robert Mueller. Uh, so, what's your uh, just your overall sense about uh, Raylo and his uh, squabble with Lori Lightfoot? Uh, I, I mean, I think I think that there there's probably a little a good way of looking at it and a bad way of looking at it. So, to be totally fair, um, I think uh, the way you spin it in a good way is that. You know, we have a history of uh, uh, of strong mayor controlling a weak um, uh, a weak council. It's almost it reminds me of in Mexican history of the Porfirio Diaz dictatorship in the uh, late eight, mid to late 1800s, where he would describe the Mexican Congress as a stable of horses. Wow. You know, and uh, <laughs> and so anytime there's uh, vociferous dissent. Um, I think uh, is a good thing, particularly against a mayor that is maybe better in a lot of ways than our previous two mayors, but also retains some of the elements of power control that Ram and, and Daly did with a lot of recalcitrance uh, in terms of listening and being open to uh you know, progressive people on that council. Now, uh, Raylo is not progressive. He's conservative. 
But um, so I think on the good side, I think that anytime you can get someone to have some open dissent, for legitimate dissent, you know, uh, I think it's good. Now, on, the bad side, Go ahead. on the bad side is I think that because, because Ray is uh, on the conservative faction and he is more of the old school and his mentors are those old school machine politicians like Ed Burke and, uh, you know, and others like that. Um, I think that, you know, uh, he sees that the political world has changed around him significantly in just one term, right? Mm-hmm. Where I think when he first won an election, uh, those old timers were still holding on uh, firmly to power and still had access to money, etc. And now the world that he finds himself in is one in which those major players are on their way out. And so, uh, and, and progressives uh, on the counter side of his style of politics and his, you know, are gaining momentum and gaining numbers. Now they're still not big enough uh, within the council to be a major, major force, but they're they're gaining ground. And so, if I think I believe that he probably finds himself in a situation where the squeaky he has to be the squeaky wheel, mm-hmm. right? And 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 that's basically you know, the kind of things that, that leads to the, to the kind of tactics and the kind of mindset that he has to move his conservative agenda. And, you know, the guy is very ambitious. I don't doubt, I don't know, but I don't doubt that he has, you know, a desires and plans to run for, for, um, for mayor at some point, maybe not in the near future, but somewhere down the line, I think that John Cass in one of his, uh, articles not too long ago, posed that question to him or something, or posed that idea to conservatives and said, Oh, this is a guy you could back, you know? And so, um, I think that there are those ambitious, their ambitions, you know, in the future there for him. And so those are kind of shaping, the kind of uh, maneuvers and tactics he takes against the mayor. That's an interesting point. Now, uh, one of the things uh, we, we play the uh, exchange, we have a little fun with it all the time uh, between Raylo and Lori Lightfoot, where they start cussing each other out. Right. But the part we played it originally, but we don't play the full thing uh, is where Raylo has this question. He's asking uh, Lori Lightfoot and it has to do with the unrest that took place uh, on Memorial Day weekend and the the strategy or what if there was a strategy by the police department by the administration to uh, move protesters from the loop into the neighborhoods which led to looting in the neighborhoods that's his accusation but he does it in such a way he goes on this riff for like three or four minutes uh sounding approaching trump uh like rhetoric needling the hell out of her and that's oh, yeah. when she and that's when she says and so he says what do you think and she says I think you're hundred percent full of shit because I think she was reacting to how he was needling her. Now you live uh, in Ray Lowe's ward. You live in the 15th ward. Yeah. What's your sense? How much legitimacy do you give uh, Raymond Lopez's uh, sort of analysis of went down, what went down? Well, I think we touched the last time I was on, I think we touched a little bit about it um, on this point. And I think that there was, there was some legitimacy to what he said. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you know, and, and, and in fact, what did occur after that meeting that he had in that exchange is that the neighborhoods did get hit. And I think just yesterday there was a story in one of the papers and also in the news, TV news, about how 
you know, th- there was fear that three Walmarts in, you know, underserved neighborhoods in the city, uh, there was a fear that they wouldn't open and they did just open. And the communities are very glad because they went uh, without the services of the Walmart for whatever good and bad you feel about Walmart. They do provide in, in deserts, you know, in uh, food deserts, they do provide food for you know, underserved communities. And so the looting occurred and it, it knocked out uh, businesses in places like Hyde Park, but also in places like Chatham and Englewood and Brighton Park and back of the yards. And so I think that it, there was total legitimacy in his, um, in his rhetoric uh, and and his opinions about where you know the where the city should be planning uh, um, instead of just focusing uh, you know entirely on the central business district. Uh, so I think there was legitimate legitimate concerns there, um, but also I think that based on the what I you know I saw happen that weekend is also I, you know, while he was worried about it, I also think that maybe he didn't uh, show the leadership that other aldermen in areas that got hit demonstrated. I think that people like Byron Sitchko Lopez and even in the 22nd Ward, even guys like like Mike Rodriguez um, were probably out there on the streets, you know, more than uh, than Ray, Ray was. Yeah, exactly. And so there's a... It's not irony, but I mean, I guess he had legitimate concerns when the shit hit the fan, though. Um, clearly, you know, he chose to to address things in a different manner than the other all of them. All right. And by the way, I'll point out uh, that uh, there's no love lost between uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Alderman Byron Cicero Lopez of the 25th Ward. <laughs> and I urge everybody, uh, if you haven't already, check out the interview that I did yesterday with Dave Gloatz, uh, well, his latest city council wrap up in which Mayor Lori Lightfoot tangles uh, with Byron Cicero Lopez uh, over the uh, issue of a uh, historical preservation district in Pilsen. Fascinating little inside story about Chicago politics and you can check it oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that issue, I mean, Byron and, and, and Lightfoot have been going at it, you know, uh, pretty hard because Lightfoot, you know, talks about how people were scared to walk around Pilsen, but now shit is better because it's gentrified. Yeah, that's, that's what you think. Because the hoodlums have left, you know, the, the, the you know, uh, as we say in Spanish, the chusma, the, the bad people, right, have left and now shit is nice because the white people are in there. That's basically the implication. Well, that was, that's yeah, that's, up. All right, uh, and uh, we're going to head out the door. I'm going to let you go, but the next time you're on, I'm going to make you talk about uh, something that I haven't discussed today, but it's on my mind. Uh, the chief executives of Amazon, Apple, Google, and Facebook uh, at the congressional hearing and, and the implications. Uh, I know this is something you'd be interested in because you're really into constitutional law. Should we finally break up these big uh, monopolies? Is it bad for democracy? Have so much power concentrated? We haven't even discussed this, but I really wanted to get through the local political issues. But the next time you're on Adolfo, get ready to talk about that because that's at the back of my mind. It's always on my mind. At least let's organize our workforces. 
uh, that's the first thing. So anyway, Adolfo, thanks so much for taking the time to come on. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks Stay for the invitation. Thank you. you too. Bye bye. That's Adolfo Mondragon, El Dragon, as they call him, election lawyer. Yeah, he's more than an election lawyer. He's a lawyer in the southwest side of Chicago, and uh, he's not afraid to speak his mind. D, what you got? Got any updates for us before we head out the door? Uh, yeah, I got a few updates here. Um, <clears throat> I'm looking here, and uh, well, I, first off, I did a count of uh, how many times uh, Adolfo cursed. Um, I'm looking here. <laughs> Two thousand. Uh, let's see over under. Uh, I think he lost on the over under, though. I think he took about uh, two minutes before he uh, dropped Holy the Holy Lord. I think he knows. He knows that's his reputation, so he just leans into it. <laughs> well, if you uh, talk to – I talk to Adolfo a lot uh, on the phone. He's – uh, we, we, can, we can talk for hours. And, uh, he's been, he, even when he uh, is not on the uh, air, he's been known to drop the F-bomb. I mean, you know, usually, you know, the people when they're on a show, they're like, I'm going to try my best not to curse. Not Adolfo. Not <laughs> Adolfo. Way, unlike me, I never drop the F-bomb. That's correct. Liar. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not, Mueller, you're wrong on that one, buddy. Yeah. All right, uh, we got a few updates here. Shout out to Rich okay. Miller and Capital Facts. Uh, first off, a um, coronavirus update. Uh, yesterday, J.B. Pritzker uh, announced that uh, we're going to put a halt on uh, sports in the fall. Football. Maybe going to happen in the spring. I'm underlining that maybe part. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, Ben, your thoughts on that? We didn't talk about that really uh, that much today. You know, they have to. I don't know how you can have a football season uh, in the middle of the virus. And I do think you have to put a heavy emphasis on maybe I'm not sure this pandemic will be gone by the spring. I hate to say that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, um, I but you know what? Uh, this is there's part of me that kind of like, oh, spring football. Let's let's give it a shot because, you know, I, everybody knows I'm a football fan. Uh, so, you know, you'd be playing. Think about spring in Chicago, D, the, the kind of like it's. We don't really have a spring in Chicago, so it'd be like football and the raw weather, you know, with all those cold, wet days with a little snow that comes down, the winds whipping in. That's football weather. So we're going to set 2020. Yes. I'm ready. Ready, set 2020. <laughs> um so hey remember that time i was trying to, to remember that time I, I said i was gonna go to the sun times and we were gonna go back in june remember that yeah i remember <laughs> dennis every day it was like wishful thinking it's it like if you put the idea out there it'll come true so he goes so here's what's gonna happen folks i'm gonna take a vacation we come back we'll be at the sun times okay i'm just saying you know football in spring i mean you know that sounds good and all but who knows what the hell's gonna be going on uh, that yes. time but yes. the news the update here uh we have a tweet from a feller uh he's an elected leader in illinois and uh well after i read this you're all gonna know he's an illinois republican but let me read this real quick uh this is from a gentleman uh, former sheriff mark curran a representative ah, of illinois yes. oh you know him uh, of course he's the the nominee he's running against uh durbin uh he's running against durbin for senate and if I had to choose, I would take Willie Wilson over him any day. I know, Willie, I said you should be bouncing the ballot, but Kern is outrageous. Uh, some of the stupid things he said about John Lewis, disgraceful. So anyway, well, what did he say uh, this time? Apparently, uh, yes. Uh, he thinks Michael Madigan should step down. No, no, guess. this is about football. Uh, apparently oh. his son plays football here. And um, he says uh, on a tweet here, my son found out today about his upcoming football season. My thoughts? The devil is about fear and isolation. Does he own you? How much more of my son's childhood are we going to uh, going to steal? Death will eventually come for everyone. 
What a lunatic. That's your senator. <laughs> I, that's okay, Republicans. You want me to take you seriously? That's your guy. Oh, yeah. We're going to die anyway, so why don't we just accelerate the process yeah. by playing football in the middle of a pandemic? That's your guy, Republicans. Yikes. Uh, yep. That's who you've nominated. Ooh. And by the way, that's why I say, sorry, Willie Wilson, kick him off the ballot. Because if there's any chance that this guy gets elected Senate, it's a scary thing. So, I, I, you know what, D? Thank you for reading that tweet. <laughs> He sounds as Looney Tune as the people in Florida in Palm Beach, and they're not even running for Senate. So, and what's wow. the what's the over under on this guy having a Pritzker suck sign in his yard? <laughs> yeah, it's, he's probably writing one up right now. I don't like him. Oh God, what a dumb tweet! <laughs> All right, and then uh, we have a Madigan Gate update here. Uh, shout out to another uh, Illinois uh, reporter. I believe, I think he's in Springfield. Uh, it's Mark Maxwell. We had him on the show back in yeah, uh, the days when, remember? before you were fired, right? We had him on? Oh, yeah, right, that show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember him. <laughs> he was good. That was his politics. Yeah, yeah. Well, he uh, he just tweeted here. Uh, he, he got the scoop here. Uh, he says here, uh, news, Speaker Madigan is in damage control mode. Several House Democrats are telling Mark Maxwell that Madigan is placing personal calls to gauge their support for Madigan. This comes as six Democrats in the legislature, all women so far, have called for him to immediately resign. He's feeling pressure. Ben, do you agree? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I, well, and I know uh, we Peter Janko days when Peter Janko uh, ran for committeeman from McHenry County. Uh, he ran against Madigan. Or he, he ran on, the, on a, a platform that he would vote against Madigan. And once he was uh, successfully elected uh, Madigan, oh, my God, wined and dined him to get him to vote for him. He even agreed, and God bless you, Peter Jenko, his stipulation uh, uh, was that Madigan would have to appear on my radio show. Remember that, D? Yeah. That's how desperate Madigan was to get Jenko's vote, and he still didn't vote for him. Give Jenko a lot of credit. Uh, he said he, he ran and that he wasn't going to vote for him, and he didn't vote for him, but he got him to come on my show. Uh, so I'm always grateful to Peter Jenko for that. So, yes, uh, Michael Madigan works very hard. See, this is something else that never gets done. He works. He outworks everybody else. He's eating the one apple a day. He gets up early. He goes to bed early. He's not like me up at four in the morning reading uh, Song of Solomon. He's getting his sleep so he can get up at five in the morning and make phone calls. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, he's working hard. But I don't know. All those phone calls. At some point, someone's going to have to go to Madigan the way Barry Goldwater went to Nixon and just break the bad news to him. Yeah, and uh, I got to give you credit on that interview with Madigan. You you gave an apple joke. I remember that. <laughs> Did I? I can't remember. I think so. He said something about apples, and he was like, oh, well, whatever. Come on. Yeah. When's this interview over? <laughs> it was so funny because I've, uh, I've been interviewing Steve Brown, who's Michael Madigan's press secretary forever. I've known Steve since the 80s, I want to say. We're two old goats. And uh, Madigan would never, ever, ever uh, be interviewed by anyone, particularly someone as lefty as me. Uh, but when when he agreed to do that, Steve Brown, he was, he was teasing me. Well, you got your big moment. You're so happy. Blah, blah, blah. And we haven't heard from Steve Brown in a while. We got to get him on the yeah. show. 
Nah, I don't think Steve's talking these oh, days. Okay. He's kind of hanging low. And All right. Like, I don't blame Steve him. <laughs> yeah, can you blame him? Yeah. Big Cardinal fan, by the way. Steve Brown loves the Cardinals. Oh, hey, I'm right there with him. Uh, oh, okay, ben, now you guys can't see this, but Ben's giving me the wrap it up sign. I know, dude. Lollapalooza. Okay, he wants to go watch it. All right, follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter at Benny J Show, B E N N Y, the letter J Show. Send us an email, Benny J Show at gmail.com. And you can leave us a voicemail. Yes, you can. 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Now, Ben, now you can go get your Arctic Monkeys t-shirt on. And <laughs> it's, you know, you Wait. can watch it whenever you want on YouTube. It's not actually live this year, but I know you love Wait. it. What? Time out. How you know I'm not wearing an Arctic Monkey t-shirt right now? Oh, yeah. I right. love the monkeys. Okay. <laughs> He, I love their song. Um, I'm a believer, and I saw her face. Isn't that by the monkeys? That's I, th- I think that's the monkeys, not the Arctic monkeys. Okay, guys, right. that is our show for today. Uh, he loves Lollapalooza, everybody, and he's gonna. I heard he's gonna try and ride a scooter too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I want to thank Adolfo Mondragon for coming on. Uh, El Dragon, always a blast talking to you. Of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton and Lloyd, without whom the show would be possible. And as Adolfo Mondragon, Mike. Uh, Madigan and Steve Brown will all tell you back home in Alton, they call him Dr. Doobie. Give yourself a raise, take it up any cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. That's correct. I won't just turn the car around, I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out, and I'm going to make you walk home. Yay for our teachers! Yay for our teachers! I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor.